You're listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show. G'day guys, welcome to the next Checkpoint on Sin. I am your host, Connor Matthews, and today we're going to have some fun on the show. I reckon it's going to be a great time. Uh, We've got uh, some fun news stories, some nice news stories uh, for once, and some fun little releases, not too many this week, a little bit bit of a quiet week for games, and finally rounding it out, just some fun little segments, the the penthouse and the outhouse, plus on this day. So we're going to have some fun with that. Before we get into all that fun, I need to do some good old housekeeping. I want to give a big old shout out to people who have given me some feedback from the second episode, the top 10, or more so, my top 10 most disappointing games ever. And frankly, yeah, it was great. Nice to hear people's opinions, some feedback, and just just hearing that they're listening to the show and just having fun with it. That's that's the part that's touching my heart more than anything else. <laughs> uh, if you want to find The Next Checkpoint, we are on Facebook at The Next Checkpoint Podcast. We are also on Omni, possibly going into more. I'm not too sure just yet. And also, big, uh, big thing, uh, my subdivision Infinity DX review is now up on the Facebook page of Player One and also my own podcast. So for those who don't know, I am a contributor over at Player One and I got a review code for the game. I give my thoughts and opinions on it both on the show and a pre-recorded review. So please go check that out and I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you play the game as well. It's a really, it's a pretty good game. I quite liked it. Now, with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's get into the news, why don't we? Is Activision on the remaster hype train? Well, we're about to find out, because last Wednesday or Thursday in Australian time, Activision held its quarterly earnings call, and besides, you know, all the boring financial stuff and business talk, I really don't understand it all. Frankly, I'm no financial wizard. But uh, Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision, uh, talked about the success of Activision's remasters or remakes. So the more specifically, the Crash Bandicoot series, he chimed in saying, and this is in quotes, I'd say, for example, if you look at Crash and Sane Trilogy, I think there must have been a typo there. That one sold through 10 million copies. So they are having a big impact on our bottom line. So obviously Activision is noticing the success of the remasters, especially the Crash remaster. It felt like that one had a ton of fanfare going into it. People were excited. People were really People have been wanting a Crash remake for a very, very long time. And now that we got it, it's been very positively received. The Insane Trilogy, yes, that was fantastic. And Nitro Fueled, yes, that is fantastic until the microtransactions sort of barged in. And I'm not going to get into that. I have had my whole spiel about it. Uh, if you want to hear that, go to the previous episode on the Action News segment. That was a that was a some some quick fire news, even though it was basically just a top ten episode. <laughs> and I also gave my opinions on Player One, and they even reiterated those opinions. So big old thank you to them. He essentially finished the paragraph by saying, "So now, what I'd say, stay tuned for more announcements." So. They are aware that these remasters are selling and they want to capitalize on it, which for nostalgic purposes, that's great. 
you know, I was usually nostalgic for Crash Bandicoot. Um, not so much for Spyro because I was never a f- big fan of Spyro growing up, but I knew people that were really, really excited for the Reignited Trilogy. And that game did well enough that people are noticing it. And hey, we're seeing Spyro and Crash Team Racing. So that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, Kotaku did an actual list of games. I took some of them, some of the ones that I knew. And this list that I put up was Prototype, Soldier of Fortune, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, Star Trek Armada, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and Geometry Wars. Now, I look I look at this list and I see one potential remaster or remake that could be successful, that being uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Everything else, I don't think, if they remastered it or remade it, it wouldn't get the fanfare that I think Activision would want. I don't even know half of these games. I've never played Prototype. I've never played Soldier of Fortune. Uh, I never played Geometry Wars, but that's just me. Obviously, other people have, and they all have their opinions, whether they like it or not. That's sort of their thing. But I guess for me, I don't see, especially from a business point of view, I don't see any of these uh, getting anywhere near the success of Crash Bandicoot or Spyro. Those are kind of the two big ones that were that were hotly anticipated. These, I don't think as much, especially like Tony Hawk Pro Skater. They tried doing that with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 and that game sucked. It was a buggy mess that was rushed out the door because they needed to keep the license and that's it. There was no love put into it. And if they tried reviving that series they would need to really give it some attention, really give it some love. Uh, but yeah, everything I see here, I don't think will be a big system seller. Like if you didn't have a PS4 and you saw Crash exclusive on the PS4, that could be more than enough reason to pick one up. Because even Spyro, he was, I believe, no, he wasn't exclusive on the PS4. I believe he, I believe he was on... Um, PS4 and Xbox, and I think PC. I'll have to double-check that a bit later on. I know that next, early next month, they're bringing a Switch port of the Reignited Trilogy, which is great. That's going to open up Spyro to a new audience. It's going to g- generate more money for Activision, and if there's one thing that Activision loves, it's money. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot, yeah. They ported both games to the Switch, the Insane Trilogy, Nitro Fuel, and those are doing very, very well. It's a new platform, a new opportunity to play a game that previously was never on a Nintendo console. So that I could see really being a big factor to why Crash Bandicoot, the Insane Trilogy, specifically selling 10 million copies. Like that's, and tell me, 10 million copies is no easy feat. That's that's pretty cool to hear from my end. Obviously, when it comes to Activision, we all know what they're like. They snuck in microtransactions and Crash Team Racing. And I know I didn't say I'd talk about it, but I am. And it still, it it angers me. It puts the fire inside of me. Just just even mentioning it, mentioning microtransactions in the game. <laughs> they put uh, microtransactions in Call of Duty 4 Remastered, a remaster of a 10-year-old game, and a game that didn't have them to begin with, and they put it in. And that was kind of a dick move by Activision. And they also put in microtransactions after the fact that Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 4 had been released for a little while. People were giving it positive reviews. 
and then they snuck it in and they did the same with Nitro Fueled. So any of these games getting remastered, I could potentially see Activision kind of adding in those mechanics. I want to be positive about this and don't get me wrong, it's cool that they are looking to uh, expand on potentially remastering a bunch of their licenses, a bunch of their previous games. But knowing Activision, just from a fan's perspective, I could see them putting in microtransactions on a bunch of these games. And yeah, that's just my view. If you um, if you uh, differ, please let me know. Send send a send a message through. Send a comment through on the show. And yeah, like I'd like to see some of these games get remastered, especially Tony Hawk Pro Skater. That's that's a great game. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, besides Pro Skater Five, is a fantastic series. Now another question, this reading this gives me is so I I think they might be moving away from remastering the Crash and Spyro games. It gives me some hope that we could potentially see a completely original, completely brand new story in the Crash series, which we could possibly even get a traditional Crash 4. Obviously, Crash 4, as fans call it, uh, the Wrath of Cortex, uh, it really wasn't a great evolution of everything. Music in that game was fantastic. It it was Crash, but it wasn't made by Naughty Dog. It was the first sort of PS2 Crash platformer, and it just sort of meh reviews, meh thoughts. I thought it was an alright game, but it definitely didn't reach, I guess, the standards that people had when it came to comparing it to the original three PS1 games. But this this does lead me to believe that we may be seeing more original stories in Crash and Spyro, which I'm happy to see that. I think that's a really, really good step forward. It's a great evolution from okay, we remastered these games, we released them just to see what people's thoughts were, if if people wanted this franchise to come back. Obviously, people voted with their wallets, and it's given Activision that thought of, okay, we can bring this back. That's That's the positive thing in me. I'm hoping that's the case. Like, that would be fantastic. But, obviously, yes, Activision, you know, you're cynical me. I try to be positive, but my cynicism just gets the better of me. <laughs> it's Activision. What can you expect? All right, moving on to our next story. So, this game I actually haven't played, but hearing about it, it makes me want to play it. Ta- Ty the Tasmanian Tiger coming to Nintendo Switch. So, last Wednesday, Chrome Studios announced a crowdfunding campaign to bring the original Ty the Tasmanian Tiger games to the Nintendo Switch. The crowdfunding is largely due to testing costs needed to get through Nintendo's certification process. So I don't know much about Ty. I've never particularly played the games, but from what I've done in the preliminary research, it is quite a good series of games, quite good series of platformers. And it's good that we get to see potentially another series get revived on Switch. We saw that with Turok. Both Turok and Turok 2 are now on the Switch. I've played Turok. I thought it was a lot of fun. A little bit janky, but that's just from the game's age. Obviously, we've had the uh, the first three Doom games on the Switch recently, which is fantastic to see that a bunch of old games are getting almost... Almost like a new life on the Switch. Uh, an update to this story, actually. The Kickstarter goal was 
reached. So congratulations to Chrome Studios. I hope that we get to see Ty on the Nintendo Switch relatively soon. So a, a nice little story, a nice fun little story. It's it's quite nice to hear that a game is getting another, uh, like a second life on a new generation of consoles. So that's really cool. That's really cool. I'm, I'm really happy to see that. All right. Is anyone a fan of Apex Legends? I I am. I quite like the game. I um I'm not very good at it, but I quite enjoy it. I love the team. Okay, like I love working in a team. I don't. I'm not much of a talker, so I just stick to the ping system. I think that's a great idea. I thought it was fantastic when it first came out. I I jumped on the bandwagon. Why not? You know, it was actually quite a very good game. And you know what? It. I felt very conflicted about liking the game because the game was fantastic. It was great, but it was published by EA. But then figuring out that, hey, EA didn't really have much to do with it and it wasn't the game that they were necessarily expecting. I'll, you know, that's cool. The characters are really good. I mean, Bangalore, I think she's freaking badass. And I haven't touched it in a little while. I guess the Battle Royale kind of, not craze, but the genre has sort of worn out on me. I played like a, a, a lot of Fortnite and I guess I just got a little bit burnt out from it. But the time I did have with Apex Legends, it was a lot of fun. I remember getting like two wins in one day and I was like, yes, I feel so accomplished right now. I feel so good. <laughs> well, Apex Legends is now getting a limited time solo mode. So on the 13th of August, uh, I'm assuming the 14th in Australian time because, you know, you never know. Apex Legends will launch its limited time solo mode as a part of the Iron Crown collection event. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming, yeah, it seems like an event in the new season. I know they just fairly recently launched season two and I haven't, I don't know, I haven't really heard much about the game since its launch because when it came in, everyone was touting it as the Fortnite killer, which obviously no, it wasn't that, but it, it took over the took over the mainstream for a little bit, and a lot of people had a lot of positive things to say about it. I am, I'm quite a positive. I, I quite like it myself. I would give it some positive reviews, and this event will run to the 27th of August. I presume contents of this event will be cosmetics, you know, skins, gun skins, um, banners, poses. Uh, finisher, taunts, all that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like that's pretty cool. It's quite, it's quite nice to see that kind of thing. Uh, I think Apex. This might be the uh, kick up the bum Apex Legends needs, just because I know that after launch, I think a lot of people got bored. I think a lot of people, not, or maybe not bored, not the right way to say it, but I think people were kind of like, all right, what else do you have? Like, are you gonna have? something new, something different to, like, give us, to keep us invested. And I don't think they did that at all. Don't get me wrong, great game, but it's only so much a great game can do. You can only hold an audience for so long. Don't get me wrong, the game is still very popular, and I can see why it's still very popular, but there wasn't enough to keep me invested and to keep me hooked onto the game for as long as other people and which which was a shame to me because I quite liked it I loved the guns felt right the 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 parkour (laughs) felt really cool the sliding downhill that was awesome the map was really nice the visuals were really cool and I I got attached to the characters they all looked great in different skins they they looked awesome as I said Bangalore was my main so yeah like that was for me 
that was that was pretty cool. I was really happy to kind of see that. All right, who here likes NES games? I'm going to take that long pause to say that no one is looking forward to NES games. Well, if you're a Nintendo Online subscriber, the NES app will have two new games: uh, Kung Fu Heroes and Vice Project Doom. I know none about the. I know nothing about these games. Absolutely nothing. From the trailer that I saw, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into this article, because, like, for me, when I saw this, um, when I saw this game, I wasn't really sure. When I saw these games, I wasn't really sure what to think, because it just didn't, it didn't grab me at all. At this point, at this point, I really don't care for NES games. I have had enough of NES games. Give, give us Super Nintendo. Especially with it next month being the uh, the one year anniversary of the Nintendo Online Subscription Service, where they decided, hey, let's put a paywall behind online multiplayer. Let's make them pay for cloud saves. And even then, some of those cloud saves they're not going to work for games like Splatoon. So, the uh, the Nintendo Online Service has stumbled. It has tripped. It has fallen down the stairs up to September, where I hope it'll pick itself back up. With some Super Nintendo games, but as we look right now, really, it's nothing much. So both titles will be coming on August 21, and that'll put it up to 48 Nintendo Entertainment System games. Now, don't get me wrong, some of the NES games they're cool. Like I, I beat the the first Mario game. I've enjoyed Punch Out for what it is. Like I definitely was, I guess not surprised, but it was. I was kind of happy to see it there. It was definitely one. That needed to be there. So, Vice Project Doom. It looks like a just a good old-fashioned side-scrolling platformer with, oh, with some, with some shooty bits, car chasey bits, and it looks like something you'd see in like an '80s action flick. So, yeah, it looks cool. Uh, Kung Fu Heroes. I don't know what's happening. You, you hit something. You you beat up enemies. I guess that's cool. Yeah, I don't get what this game is, and I definitely won't spend much time with it. Maybe five minutes, maybe five minutes, but that is about it. <laughs> really, that's kind of all these NES games are. Just five minutes of, oh, okay, cool, next. And that's it. I don't feel personally invested in wanting to play these games just because we've moved very far away from NES games. And I think for people who grew up with the virtual console on the Wii and on the Wii U, uh, seeing NES games again on a Nintendo console, it kind of just falls flat. Give us Super Nintendo. Give us, you know, N64 or GameCube games. Hell, Turok can play on the Switch, so we know N64 games can work. It's just, a, I guess it's just a matter of, you know, like, they sit on a goldmine, Nintendo. They have so many great games that even if, say, for the online service, we paid a little bit extra for it. I've got no problem paying a little bit extra for the online if we get that bang for our buck. And I don't believe we're getting that at all with with the online service and NES games. So, you know, I don't want to be negative about the service because, like, it's a reasonable price, but I definitely want more bang for my buck. And, yeah, so that'll conclude the news. And we're going to move on to the releases. A little bit of a quiet week, if I say so myself. It's co- it's kind of a quiet period for games at the moment. You know, we had a bit of a 
big rush at the end of July with Fire Emblem Three Houses coming out, Wolfenstein Youngblood, a bunch of really high-budget games coming out, which is pretty cool. You know, that was a good month for games. Now we're, now we're into the middle of August, and, you know, yeah, I guess it's not too bad. We don't really have too much this week, only only five, and one of them is an expansion, which I'll get into right now. No Man's Sky Beyond coming out on, well, today for PC, PS4, and Xbox. So who remembers No Man's Sky? I sure, I sure do. I remember having a friend who believed in the hype, the hype train for this thing, because this was one of the most overhyped games ever. And I remember him telling me that he bought it, played it, and then basically traded it back because... It wasn't a good game from his point of view. Now, I never played it. I still haven't played it to this day. Uh, I know that the game has gotten a ton better, especially with the new expansions. I believe it was um, No Man's Sky Zero, I want to say. I want to say that's what it was, but the game has gotten a ton, just tons better, and I'm glad to see that it is continually improving with each expansion. Now, moving on to... The second game coming out today, Fell Seals Arbiters. Now we're going to take a look at this game. So I don't know anything about this game. From what I understand, it seems like a like a. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. Fell Seal Arbiters Mark is a turn-based tactical RPG with a focus on storytelling and strategic battles. Unfold a mature story as you progress through handcrafted scenarios, controlling your own group of arbiters with each character customizable from a wide selection of classes and abilities. So I'm looking at the trailer for this. This game looks freaking gorgeous. Now, I'm not much of a turn-based RPG guy, but looking at this, this game looks gorgeous. I love it. I love it. Now, this game is coming out. So this game came out on PC in May of this year, it is coming out on Switch. So another another Switch port of an indie game. That's nice. It's always nice to see that kind of thing going on. You know, for me as a Switch fan, it's kind of cool that we get a lot of ports of great indie games. So looking at it here, it looks like every turn-based RPG looks really nice. The visuals for me, they look really, really cool. You know, we're seeing, yeah, like the overworld map, that looks really nice. Some good customization. If you're into turn-based RPGs, definitely give this one a go. It's got, uh, on Steam, it has very positive reviews, so it's definitely it's definitely worth giving a try. I think it'd be kind of fun. All right, next up on the list, we have, on August 16th, Zeus Begins for PC. Zeus Begins, let's have a looky-loo at this game. Now this, ooh, very contrasting, especially in the visual, visuals department. It looks like just the, uh, the old basic 2D beat-em-up. Similar to Streets of Rage, uh, Double Dragon, Altered Beast. Except this time you are playing as Zeus. Help the young Zeus come back to Olympus and defeat Cronus. Cronus ate all of his sons, but Zeus escaped with the help of his mother. He trained so hard in combat to defeat all the enemies that Cronus sent to him. Fight with mythological creatures and titans across Greece in a beat-em-up game. Definitely varies in gameplay, but I'm not a big fan of the uh, the top-down visuals. Definitely, I feel like a, lot, a bit more effort could have been put into it. Oh, that's cool. He, Zeus just turned Super Saiyan. He turned into Vegeta. <laughs> okay, so he's fighting Medusa. He's just been turned into stone. This, if you're into beat-em-ups, you might, be, you might look into this game, but I don't... For me, I don't think... Eh, 
I might pass on it, to be honest, but I definitely think that if you are a fan of beat-em-up games and definitely something that you want to just sort of sit on the couch, not worry, and just enjoy, you might get some fun out. You might get some fun out of that game. Next up, on August 20th, we have RAD. Now, I say it like that because it's all written in capitals. RAD coming to PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox, all major platforms. Let's look at RAD, shall we? Now, I, I've seen stuff on this game, and from what it looks like, it looks really cool. So, Rad is a 3D action roguelike set in a post-apocalyptic world where humanity has faced Armageddon not once, but twice. So, that's kind of cool. He's transforming into different things, some, some creepy-looking enemies. So, I, I definitely would consider giving this game a go. It looks, kind of, it looks like a lot of fun, actually. I wouldn't mind diving into that. So, it comes out on August 20th. Uh, developed by Double Fine Productions, I've heard of them, and published by Namco Bandai, or Bandai Namco, as it says here. So this looks like a lot of fun, actually. Rad. Yeah, I'll definitely give this game a go. And our final release for this week, Remnant from the Ashes. The world has been thrown into chaos by an ancient evil from another dimension. As one of the last remnants of humanity, you must set out alone or alongside up to two survivors to face down hordes of deadly enemies to try and carve a foothold, build, and retake what was lost. This looks like a, uh, it's a third-person shooter, and it looks like it's similar to, like, the horde modes you get from, like, maybe Gears of War and Saints Row, so it looks like it, it looks like... Maybe you get similar, actually, yeah, similar to Left 4 Dead, actually. Yeah, partner up with a few buddies, it seems like it. But I could be wrong. But, man, some of these enemy, the enemy design looks fantastic in this, actually. Looks really cool. But I have a feeling this game might be a bit more story-driven than what the games I gave an example for. So, hmm, that's kind of cool. Remnant from the Ashes. This game will be coming out on August 20th for PC, PS4, and Xbox, so some some fun little releases. Despite it being sort of a sort of a quiet release week, it's still looking pretty good. I'm I'm, I'm quite excited for some of these games, especially Rad on the Switch. That's, that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to go to on this day. So the day today is the 14th of August, 2019. On this day, in August 14th, 1995. Galactic Pinball, Telroboxer, Mario Tennis, and Red Alarm released in the United States for the Virtual Boy. So who remembers the Virtual Boy? This is a console where it tried to emulate virtual reality, but frankly, it did that kind of poorly. It was it was rather terrible. I guess everyone at that time was expecting colour. Instead, what you got was red and black. And that's all you got. A lot of these games that uh, I see here, a lot of them don't use the, I guess, virtual reality aspect of it. So Galactic Pinball doesn't really seem like a game that would fit well on the Virtual Boy. Telroboxer is one of the good games the Virtual Boy had. And it did, it did something right in that it puts you in a first-person perspective, which is definitely something that the Virtual Boy lacked. Like, imagine Doom on the Virtual Boy. That would have been pretty cool. A first-person shooter where where you look around, that's where you, know, you are the character. You're not looking at it from a TV screen. You are looking at it from your eyes. 
No one can see except you, so you can lose yourself in the virtual reality concept. So yeah, that it it lacked a lot of first person shooters. And frankly, I don't think it even had a first-person shooter. <laughs> Mario Tennis, it's exactly what it is. It's Mario Tennis. Not much in the 3D aspect besides the opening thing where Mario hits a tennis ball at your face. And Red Alarm. I don't remember this game. I think it might have been a, a space shooter where everything was kind of like in polygons, similar to Star Fox, but there was no texture. There was no shading. You couldn't see where anything was, so you'd just be sort of bumping into to walls at every turn and you know you can move to a pov perspective so yeah you can do a first person thing and yeah it works for that but the main thing i want to talk about is the virtual boy so the virtual boy was kind of like a it was kind of like a hold off console not a hold off console for a lack of a better term but more so like a i guess more of a placeholder for the upcoming nintendo 64 just to buy players some time you know, people have been waiting for the Nintendo 64, it was getting delayed, so this would be something that you could tide your players over with. So that, like, that sounds kind of cool. Have something that can emulate virtual reality. But the issue was, I think it was too much, it tried to be too much too soon. We didn't need virtual reality as of yet. And the idea of it, like, the idea of it, in theory, is pretty cool. But the execution was flawed from the beginning in that the, firstly, the design of the thing. If you go on your Google machine, type in Virtual Boy. Just go to Google Images, type in Virtual Boy, and you could probably see the first thing that will stand out. There's no head strap for this. There is no real comfortable way to really play this game. And this was marketed as a portable system. So to uh, to a similar degree like the Game Boy. That was a portable system and it was marketed perfectly as such. The Virtual Boy did not do that. The Virtual Boy didn't have a head strap. So if you tried to take this on a trip, you're going to look like an idiot trying to either put this thing on a table and look through the goggles, I guess. <laughs> look through the thing and you're going to look like a bit of an idiot. Not many games were re released on it. I think the best game was a Wario game, which is kind of weird. You had Mario Clash, which was basically a remake of the original Mario Bros, but with like very little in terms of the 3D aspect, which the Virtual Boy was really trying to go for. Now, <laughs> what, what I found funny is that you had imitation consoles by Tiger, who did the old Tiger Electronics, which would crap to begin with and they even in they even brought in their own video game console known as the game.com or sorry no the game cop in the in the marketing it was labeled as the game.com but it actually is the game.com and another thing that tiger did was called the r zone now the r zone was the virtual boy but worse which is really stupid to me <laughs> instead of getting uh, eye strain within minutes you get it instantly and that was another thing the Virtual Boy was sort of... It, it was not good if you if you had eyes and you wanted to see because it would strain your eyes in a matter of minutes and you really just could not get much time out of it. We had that sort of with VR, I guess, but I think a lot of those issues are, have been resolved, especially since I think the first Oculus headset back in like 2013, 2014, I want to say. So the Virtual Boy as a whole was a big old flop. It sucked. And a lot of these games, especially Galactic Pinball, Mario Tennis, 
didn't need to be on virtual virtual boy. So I'm going to close the book on the virtual boy and we're going to move into one of my favorite bits, the penthouse or the outhouse, where we take a look at a random game, either from my collection or a suggestion. And, you know, we look at it. We sort of make a judgment on it based whether, you know, if it's good or not, and we uh, we decide whether it belongs in the Hall of Fame with all the other great games in the penthouse, or if it should go down the toilet in the outhouse. Now, Shadow Man, Shadow Man, uh, that's some great company to be in the outhouse with, because it is one of the worst PS1 ports of all time, but instead, we're actually going to talk about something that's pretty cool. A lot of people, I don't think, even know what this game is. This is Urban Rain. Now, Urban Rain is a 3D sort of open space beat-em-up. This game, I remember, I remember when I was about eight years old. I think it might have been when I was eight. I, you know, I would uh, do some, you get rentals, you know, go to Video Easy or something like that and get, you know, rent a game. And I remember renting this and I don't remember the reason why, but I remember as soon as I first played it and sort of got a, a hand at the combat, this was pretty cool. This was actually quite a good game. The story was hot garbage. Story is terrible. But the combat itself is very fluid. It has a very good combat system where it does require some level of strategy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust this game open here. I'm going to take out the manual. There we go. And I'm going to give you sort of a layout of the story. Now you basically... Let's see if it has the uh, story here in the manual. I don't think it does, actually, which is kind of... Uh, disappointing if I might add. So, but we do have a uh, description of some of the characters. Only three, and this game has about 60 odd characters. So, the main character, the guy you play as throughout the adventure, is Brad Hawk. Freaking hunk here. A brawler who comes to town at the request of Xion Ying Li. Not much is known about his past, but his strength shows he has extensive fighting experience. Now, from what I remember, you, Brad Hawk, you come in to almost act as like protection from for Shen Ying Li, who owns Chinatown in the particular area of the game you play. You you take down you basically you for the most part you fight gangsters. In the early part you fight some street gangs, you find out that a kidnapped member of a gang that supposedly Shen Ying has been blamed for, uh, you find out he's been taken by it's just a bunch of ex-military guys, and that leads to a whole nother thing where you take on like a, the almost like the yakuza, almost like the yakuza, and then it leads up to a higher power, which leads to the fighting the president or something like that, or some sort of mayor. Now, looking at the back of the cover, we get to see a little bit of combat just from the screenshots, and. I'll read the description here. From the creators of Tekken and Soul Calibur comes the next level in combat action. Make your way through the main streets. Team up with an AI control partner to pull off double team combos and inflict punishment with 30 different weapons ranging from baseball bats to broken bottles. Remember, it's no hold barred. Winning is all that matters. Unique four-player action over three modes via the multi-tap. That's, a, that's another interesting thing, the old multi-tap. So the original, so the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2 didn't actually have many control ports. It had two, and to access, well, to sort of have, play four-player games, so like Crash Team Racing, the original, and Crash Bash, you needed a thing that looked like a boomerang. <laughs> 
I don't know how it feels the same for the PS2, but yeah, no, like, yeah, I just remember those days. Uh, 60 playable characters, including uh, Tekken characters such as Paul Phoenix and Martial Law. And that was a, that, you unlocked those characters when you completed the main story. That was something that I remember. Choose your fighting style from karate to raw street fighting and from kung fu to brutal wrestling. And that was another sort of feature this game had. You have a large variety of characters with a large variety of fighting styles. You had guys who did Muay Thai, guys who did kickboxing, guys who did Taekwondo, uh, Judo, submission wrestling, actual professional wrestling, that kind of thing. And this game also boasts that it has 100 story missions to complete. From what I remember, after you finished the original game, you actually had an opportunity to do time trials. So you try to beat a level as fast as you can and as effectively as you can. And this would sort of give you a ranking. And depending on your ranking, you would unlock the entire, like, the rest of the roster of characters. None of these characters, besides Paul Phoenix and Martial Law, are you know, characters that we've seen in previous games. Every single one of these characters are completely original. But I remember really liking this game, and yeah, a part of it was the combat. The combat, once again, very fluid, very balanced, I might add. I didn't have a character that felt overpowered, from what I remember. I didn't have a character that felt like I was going to win every single time against the AI, especially on a harder difficulty level. There wasn't that kind of character, which was pretty cool for me. And I don't really remember much about this game. I knew it was pretty good. Uh, the Metacritic scores would sometimes say otherwise. The average score it got was 60, but I believe the user, rate score, user rated score it got was 8.3 or 7.3, one of the two. So... People did like this game, and a lot of the comments when I looked down was people liked the combat. The combat was very fluid. The combat was awesome. You could use the environment to your advantage. Literally, you could literally uh, jump off a wall and do a backflip and in rotation pull off a move, whether that be like a kick or a grapple or anything like that. And it was it was kind of cool to see if you had your character in sort of like a, you know, a powerbomb position in wrestling, you could you know, throw them at the wall and then slam them down. Like, that's kind of cool. That was really, really, just really nice to see in a game like this. I don't agree with the Metacritic score of 60. I definitely think that this is a better game than that. Yes, the story was rubbish. The voice acting was rubbish. And just, you know, the, yeah, the, the story of this game was rubbish, but everything else I thought was really, really good. It had a great amount of replayability. You had a large roster of characters from different gangs, which really, really, the variety of gangs you had with each different personalities, with uh, different bios. I remember each character had a specific bio. It was really cool to see. Now, whether this game belongs in the outhouse... I don't agree with that. This game is going straight to the penthouse, so Urban Rain, come right in and enjoy the party. See you later, mate. Have fun. And I hope you all enjoyed the episode, and I hope you all have a great week, as we'll be saying goodbye on the next checkpoint. Now, if you want to uh, reach out to me, and like the page on the fa- like the page on the Facebooks, at the f- Facebooks, uh, the next checkpoint podcast once again we are on omni 
And also, please do check out my Subdivision Infinity review, both on my Facebook page and the Player One Facebook page. This has been The Next Checkpoint. I have been your host, Connor Matthews, and I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast, where young people run the show. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye.